listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Pullman Campus, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Morning. Happy Mother's Day. If you're a mother, put your hand in the air. Everybody around them, celebrate. Right? Normally, normally it works. It's like if you're a mother, remind your kids that tomorrow's the day, you know, like yesterday, yesterday, tomorrow's the day that they should buy you flowers and here's the money they should use. And right, like moms are oftentimes the glue that holds all that together. And so if you're a mom and uh, you happen to get celebrated um, without any reminders, um, your whole family gets extra credit this year. Just saying, okay? Um, we're glad that you're here, and we uh, hope that you have a special day and a fun time with your family, for those of you who get to be with family today. So um, before we get rolling, a uh, couple few weeks ago, uh, Easter Sunday, we took up a special offering. And for those of you that were here, you probably remember, maybe you don't remember the whole story. I just want to remind you what it was about, what it was for, and give you some feedback. So. One of the things we want to do as a church and as a family is keep looking for opportunities for us as uh, this family to be generous in our community. Um, We do it a lot of times kind of grassroots through our own just friend network and through our home groups and through ministries like Real Needs and other things. But we want to keep looking for ways for us to practice being kind and generous as a church family in our own uh, backyard. And so we had the idea of going out and talking to some of the daycares in the uh, area Uh, and asking them about what would it look like if there was a church in town that really loved people so much that they were willing to put their money where their mouth is with their love and paid somebody's bill. Like, would that help anybody? And uh, I reached out randomly to a bunch of different daycares and uh, a couple are interested and some thought it was probably weird and didn't get back to me. and so the ones that did get back to me, we, we followed up with and we sat down with and I had meetings with daycare managers and pitched the idea of like, we just, like no strings attached. We just want to be kind and generous. And, and we, as a family, we want a reputation in our town that we're generous people and we love people well. And so um, it worked out pretty cool. So Easter, we took up the offering and um, we're using that money to connect with folks in that situation. And so one of the daycares uh, identified, uh, turned out to be a single mom. We didn't have any parameters on it at all. And it turned out to be a single mom. And so about a week and a half ago, um, the daycare manager set up a meeting with the mom under the pretext that it was like something about her daycare bill. Um, So she was really not excited to go to the meeting, right? but I didn't know how else to get her there as a surprise. It was weird no matter what, like, right? So, so this mom, I've never met. I didn't know who it was going to be or any of that stuff. And so I come to the meeting. She's there. And we, uh, I get over the, hey, I, this is why I'm at your daycare meeting. I'm a pastor at a church. And I represent a bunch of our uh, friends and family that um, want to practice being generous and loving people, like real people that are like probably somebody's neighbor in our church, right? And so I kind of told her the story. And I said, so we... Uh, as a family pitched in and uh, we're able to take care of your May daycare bill is paid and so here's a check and handed her a check and she was pretty uh, overwhelmed and uh, pretty excited. It kind of really 
like she kind of kept saying, is this a joke? Like, like, is this for real, right? Like nobody does something like that. Is that for real? And I was like, yeah, it's actually really for real. So much so that when the people pitched in, they pitched in and we got more than enough. And so here's another check and June's paid. And so you uh, all pitched in and thank you for pitching in and your generosity. I want to show you. Uh, here's a picture over here real quick. Uh, Krista and her awesome kids. She says, my name's Krista. I've been blessed with your kindness and helping with the next couple months of daycare bills. I'm a single mom with three kids and their names and ages. And uh, with your generosity, I was able to catch up on my bills. So now I'm worry free. And I want to say thank you. You have helped tremendously. So yeah. So uh, as a church, um, I hope that people hear about us in our community first because of the way we love people more than any church advertisement thing. Like, I hope they hear a story of someone in our church loving someone well, and that's where they're like, oh, that's the church that, and it, and there, it has a story. It has nothing to do with, oh, I saw your thing on social media marketing, right? Like, who cares? I want people to know about us loving each other well. So, uh, hey, we're in this uh, series this morning, and we're still going on this series on shaping faith, and we're talking about ingredients to healthy community. And as you can see, I have the handsome young Alex Little here with young, me. I don't know if that's true anymore. Hey, you're younger than me. Um, <laughs> Alex has a fan club. Um, most of them are in the children's facilities, his big fans. Uh, but for those of you that benefit from his expertise, you're big fans, right? So uh, a lot of you know that Alex is our Life for Kids children's pastor, and he oversees a great team of people and ministry that help us uh, minister and, and disciple the little littles in our church. And, uh, and so the one thing you guys probably don't know a lot of you about Alex is that he's been going to school for a while now to get a degree in the counseling field. And so um, he's got about a year left. And so one of the things that I just, I wanna give him some, some props, but it's also cool for you guys to hear that our children's pastor is, he's got a pretty deep well of skills. Um, he's also a real asset to us in our office and just on our team and our church because we, he's, he's got a lot of expertise and experience in things that some of us on staff don't. And so it's been really cool having him um, continuing to grow in this area. That's something he's really interested and passionate about. The subject we're talking about today is not one that I'm an expert on, as you will True. soon see, right? <laughs> as you will soon see. And so I had to bring in a ringer, right? That's really why he's here. I needed, I needed some expert help today. And so... The subject matter that we're talking about today is one of the ingredients of healthy community. And it's something that is really, really important that all of us um, recognize that we need it. And we need to be able to um, give it, use it. Like I'm gonna talk about it a little bit like a skill or a tool because I'm a guy and it helps me understand talking about a feeling thing that's hard, that's sort of abstract, okay? So some of us, uh, let me rephrase that to be tr true. Some of you are naturally gifted at this skill. Like it just comes easy for you. You're really, really good at it, okay? Some of us 
whoever you are and me, are not naturally gifted at this skill. And it's important that you understand that it's something you can learn, okay? Uh, in the construction business, like, I'm a tool guy. I love, like, getting new tools and, and do, building stuff and having new tools. Um, and one of the tools that I have heard about for a long time years ago, but I always thought was like a gimmick, like a cheesy as seen on TV kind of tool. You guys have all seen some of those commercials and you're like, yeah, it looks cool. That thing's probably gonna break in three seconds on an actual job, right? Well, there's this thing called a multi-tool, some of them are called, or an oscillating tool. And I always thought they were sort of cheesy. And I finally got in a situation where I really needed one. So I broke down and bought it. And I don't know how I lived without it. Like these things are awesome and you can use it for everything from brushing your teeth to scraping paint to, I mean, it is cool, right? That's why my teeth are so shiny. Um, you, you, I just don't know how I lived without it. And I'm, the same thing can be true of the skill we're gonna be talking about today is that some of you just don't know how important this is and you don't, you didn't, you don't realize that if you learned this, how much your life would be different. Like it'd be like throwing your multi-tool in your toolbox. Like it's, it's gonna benefit you a lot. And so uh, we're gonna try and help you understand and unpack um, what this is in a way that makes sense because it's kind of an abstract thing. And so uh, the thing that we're gonna be talking about today is empathy, okay? And I build it up a little bit to help us reel everybody in and connect because empathy, when you, if I, if I led with, hey, we're preaching about empathy today, you'd be like, yeah, sounds awesome. What is it exactly? Because that was your response. Right, totally, <laughs> totally. That's why I told him to come with me. Um, the thing about empathy is that if, if you do it well, it has the power and ability to really draw you together and connect you with people. If you have a lack of empathy and, and don't know how to use the skill or the tool, then it really can draw you away, push you apart from each other. So we're going to kind of unpack it a little bit this morning, all right? So going to start us off is that talks about correctly the idea of empathy is about connection. So my hope is through this conversation that we have, like this is something that you can put into practice that will help out your marriage or your relationship with a roommate, um, family member, coworker. Uh, so this has really uh, some big pieces in your life and actually how to connect with people. So empathy, this kind of like a working definition that we're going to run off of, is empathy starts with the idea that a person who is showing empathy is trying to understand the other person's thoughts, feelings, and situations from their point of view. That's really the big piece of empathy. It's all from their point of view. To understand these emotions they're having, these thoughts that they're having, is from their point of view. There's a gal named Brene Brown, who's a psychologist. So some of you know who she is. She's a speaker. Uh, I love her stuff. And one of the things that she does really well is to talk about the difference between sympathy and empathy. So empathy is about connection, and then she talks about sympathy is about disconnection. And so how that works is in the idea of, so empathy is from the other person's point of view, where sympathy comes from your point of view. And sympathy doesn't mean like it's bad intentions. A lot of times it comes from very good intentions. But what it's doing is it's trying to place a silver lining take a negative situation and try to add something positive to it or see that positive piece to it. But what it does is as you throw that statement or idea, or keep even truth into it, is you're not connecting with that person the way they need you to connect with them. So th as you're trying to make the situation better, what you're actually doing is causing separation between the two of you. 
So I used my children's ministry skills and came up with a game for Thad and I. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm call it Silver Lining, copyright Alex Little. So um, that's how that works, right? You just say copyright and it's done. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Trust me, all of you are going to want a copy of this game. <laughs> Maybe Thad. Maybe it'd be my millionaire, million dollar idea. Uh, so what I have in here is some gloomy statements, which is already sounding super exciting. And so what Thad are going to do, we're going to take turns of reading one of these statements, and then the person responds in a sympathetic way, trying to add a silver lining to that idea. And uh, first, if there is something similar in your life that's going on, I try to make these statements that aren't generally too sad, um, but I just hope it doesn't necessarily connect with something that's going on in your life. I'm sorry if that's the case. We're trying to make it lighthearted and kind of fun, and Thad's really good at this game. And so... Turns out I'm gifted at unempathy. All right. So I'll go first. I'm so coining the term outathy. Outathy. Uh, uh, I'm good uh, at outathy. All right, let's have it. All right. So these are just some hypothetical situations that I came up with. Uh, so your friend is uh, preaching this Sunday for the first time in like 12 years. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. Super nervous about it. Uh, I think his prayer has been, oh, please, God, don't let there be a meme made out of what I say. Like last time the person preached was there's memes weren't even a thing yet. So what would you say to him? I'd probably say something like, it'll be fine. <laughs> You're going to do great. <laughs> so I'm going to say something funny though is Adam, he was here last Sunday preaching for the first time in a long time. He had texted Thad saying something to the idea of like, hey, this sermon's bringing a lot of like emotion up. Like it's kind of, kind of hard. And then Thad sent back a text message with a thumbs up. <laughs> you got it. There you go. Like I said, it's a gift. It's a gift. <laughs> All right, go for it. All right, my turn. My turn. All right, let's see here. Uh, your friend has just got back from the doctor and tells you that his cholesterol is high, way high. And the doctor told him that if he does not make life changes, he's on the road to have a heart attack. What do you say? Well, I've been telling you you've been fat for a long time, so hopefully this will be good motivation for you to get off and go do something. There you go. You guys are catching on, right? Doesn't this sound like fun at the dinner table? All right, let's hear it. All right. Your friend has just lost, or sorry, your friend had just let go from his job. Him and his family were planning to go on their dream vacation to Europe in three months. He is worried about finding a new job and what it would look like for his family if he doesn't find a new job with a similar pay in the next month. What do you say? Uh, fortunately, I mean, the, the good part is at least you had all that money saved up for the vacation. You know, so that'll tide you over until you find another job. I mean, surely something's going to come along. <laughs> nice. Love you too. <laughs> Let's do one more and then we'll all right. be done. All right. Uh, your 27-year-old single friend who may or may not have been in the camp video you saw first. Uh, it's all hypothetical. These are hypothetical. Tells you that he's worried that he will never find a wife. Um, he has... He's not here today. Uh, <laughs> this hypothetical person, yes, is not here. <laughs> Welcome to real life. Uh, he has gone on a couple of dates over the last year, but no one has met his standards. What do you say? Well, you're still young. You haven't lost your looks yet. 
So you just need to lower your standards a little bit and you'll be just fine. Right, right. So. All right. All right, yeah. So these, I mean, it's supposed to be funny. Thad, how do you feel about me? Because I like you less, so. Uh, <laughs> this came off way too easy for you. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, my wife's in this service. I'm not saying anything else. <laughs> <laughs> so but as we joke around about this, but like, You've probably heard the statement, you've said something to someone, like, going through a difficult time, and they go, well, at least, you're like, I lost my hand, at least you didn't lose your other hand. Like, there are statements that people make, like, it's, what they try to do is paint this picture around it. So, um, so, I mean, a lot of you guys know that Thad's gone through kind of a difficult time lately, and as we were talking about empathy and sympathy, like, this situation kind of came up yeah. with his last couple of weeks. Yeah, it, uh, I've had a first-hand experience of um, being on the receiving end of people that are awesome at empathy and on the receiving end of people that are like me, not so awesome at empathy or not as gifted at it. And uh, it was good, it's been a good learning experience from that, that respect because um, people, some people uh, on the not so good side of it come up and they mean well, and I know they mean well, I don't take it personal, but say things that they're they're trying to find the silver lining in a situation. There is no silver lining uh, in what's going on in our family. And, but they're trying to say things that are be helpful or comforting and they're really uh, awkward and they make us feel like that was weird. I feel like I want to walk away, right? And, and then there's other people that are good at empathy and they just come up and just give me a hug and just say, I'm sorry and I'm praying for you and there's, there's nothing I can say. Like, it's terrible. And it draws you to that person. It makes you feel connected to that person. It makes it, in my experience over the last couple of weeks, it's, it's helped me to feel like, hey, that, I don't even know that person, but the next time I see them, I feel like I would remember them as a person that cares about me. Like at that, if nothing else, right? And so I've kind of got to experience the good and the bad of it on the receiving end when I'm often the one that's not great at giving it. So it's been helpful for me. Yeah, he's looking through the point of view. What did Thad need at the time? Did he need this a statement to try to make him feel better? Or does he need someone that just said, hey, I love you, I'm there for you? That's, that's what he needed. My daughter, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, she got off the bus and she was crying. And so I asked her, like, what was wrong? Um, and she said, well, one of her friends would not sit with her on the bus. So my first reaction was, oh, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought it could be worse. Uh, but I did not say that to her. So my wife and I, one of the things like we are trying to do um, before we have teenagers, so those have teenagers, you might like, oh, you're living in la-la land, Alex. Uh, but we want to have conversations now with them and how we treat them now so that we can have more difficult conversations with them later. And so as I was talking to my daughter, like I want to reach her where she's at. Yes, it might be a little tiffy between her and her friend. It might not be a big, a big deal to me, but it's a big deal to her. And later in life, when she's a teenager and she's having some issue with a friend or something that might even be like life-altering, changing, who do I want her to come to? I want her to come to me. I want her to talk to me. And at this moment in her life is I can start making a habit where she can build trust with me. Same thing with, like, with your home groups. Someone said something out in your home group of this thing that's bothering them. Maybe it's a small thing, but how that home group reacts to that person will dictate how that person maybe later on shares something that's even bigger going on in their life. So empathy has its roots in so many different things. So I want to look at some scripture, like we are preaching today, so we are looking at the Bible. Uh, and so empathy pops up over and over again. Like the word empathy not be, might not be there in scripture, because uh, 
the word was created like in the 1980s. Uh, but it pops up over and over again as we see in the relationships of people. And so uh, I'm going to look at more of a positive uh, experience, a positive story of empathy. That's going to look more at a negative one. So we're going to look at Luke 10 here. Luke 10, 38, 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he, ha- he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that, <clears throat> that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So I grew, I've grown up in the church. I've heard thousands and thousands and thousands of sermons. I've heard this one many times. And the hard thing I've already had with the story is it doesn't really connect with like, the story that Luke is telling in the gospel. Like Luke's primary character in the gospel has always been Jesus. Like everything is surrounded by Jesus. And then we enter into this story and it seems like it's about Mary and Martha. There's this author, Brennan Manning, who I've really come to appreciate in his point of view in this passage. Because he talks about Jesus at this point is headed towards Jerusalem. He's headed towards his death. He's headed towards this idea that, you I mean, he may or may not know what his death looks like, but it's going to be horrible. And so while he's on his way there, he stops by to see two friends. The question is what Jesus needs. So I'm going to read a little passage from this book, kind of rewrites this passage in a little bit. It says, cool it, Martha. We'll have the trout, Amadine, whatever, some good tasting trout later. I'm worn out, lonely, empty, and frightened. I'm heading to the holy city, and as you know, a prophet must die in Jerusalem. Drop the frying pan, come over here, sit beside your sister, and hold my hand. I need you. Mary's got a grip on where I'm at. She knows that I'm fully human, have a sensitive human heart, and I long to be treated as a man who is human. What about the gospel is that Luke pulls out a lot, like the idea that Jesus has emotion. Pretty soon, he's going to be so stressed that he's in a sweat blood. When he lost his friend, he wept. Like, there is a human nature in Jesus that we need to remember. So as he's headed to Jerusalem, what does he need from his friends? He needs them to sit there and listen. Like, in that culture, like, Martha was doing the right thing. Like, it's easy sometimes to get caught up in doing the right thing. But sometimes you need to look at the perspective of the person that you need to show empathy to and do in the way of what they need. And Jesus just wanted his friends there. Yeah. And so in that same vein, kind of following that story forward, we've got an opportunity where we can see uh, some missed opportunities to um, exercise empathy. And this is a story in Matthew 26 where Jesus goes to the garden to pray. And it's a story we're really familiar with. And oftentimes I've looked at it for different reasons. We've looked at it for the kind of chronological uh, timeline of what happened when. We've looked at it to preach and discuss the cup that he's talking about being taken away from him. We've talked about uh, the, what it means about Jesus and what he's praying. But this morning, I want us to look at it a little bit different. Like, really specifically, just look at this story from a relational perspective. Here's Jesus uh, with his disciples, particularly Peter, James, and John, some guys that he's tight with, he's friends with. They're, they're learning from him, but they're also close with him. And Jesus is in a particular situation where things are really, really difficult. 
And I want you to just, just zero in on the, the heart of the conversation, the interaction between them, the relational piece. Let's look at it together. Uh, it goes like this. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Like this idea, just, just even how it says that. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. So he hasn't said anything yet. He told the guys to stop and pray, and some other guys walked with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. We've all experienced like watching someone's body language where we can see, before they even start to talk, we can see something's weighing on them. They're either really stressed out or they're really sad, like something is going on, right? Like that's what this story is letting us in on. Something's going on with Jesus. Okay, and it says, then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So he really opens up. He's vulnerable. He, he like actually tells them, like, what do you see going on on the outside? It's worse on the inside. Okay? And he says, uh, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may the cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is possible for the cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. Okay? And then he says, when he came back, uh, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and he went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise and let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So not getting into the facts of that story, but getting into just the heart, the emotion that's going on is Jesus is laying it out for him. He's, he looks stressed out. He says that he's sorrowful to the point of death. Like there is this weight on him in this situation. And the guys have his, this opportunity to, to respond and meet him with this uh, empathy, like join him in the pain that he's in, like to be there with them, to show support by, by staying awake and praying. That If he would have come back and found them like on their knees praying for him, the connection that would have drawn them together, it would have been like, wow, they're there for me, right? Instead, somehow they were missing the mark. They weren't recognizing what a big deal this was. Like for some reason, and maybe it's just their makeup as guys, like some of us are just not naturally great at this. We miss it, right? Just like these guys did. And for a lot of us, we've been in situations and circumstances where we've been around people who looked sorrowful or stressed out. Like we could see on the outside, something wasn't going good on the inside. And, and we miss the opportunity to somehow join them in that and be there for them. And then there's other times when it's even more deliberate, like people outright tell us, like, things are really terrible. This is what this, this is this hard thing I'm going through, or this horrible, sad thing I'm going through, or this stress and anxiety that I'm feeling, and we miss the mark and don't respond appropriately, or just, it just flies by us, right? Now, the thing is, if, if empathy was a thing that you just either had or didn't, it would be a bummer because a lot of us would be out in the cold 
on learning this. The cool thing is it is something that we can learn. It is something that we can practice. Like we can learn to like go buy a multi-tool and add it to our toolkit because it's a tool we never had before. But as we learn how to use it, it becomes really handy and really helpful. Like empathy can be a new tool in our toolbox of relationship tools, okay? So I wanna give you a few things before we wrap up this morning. I wanna give you three ways that we can really um, work on some simple steps, some things that any of us could do to improve in our uh, empathy skill, okay? So the first one's uh, think about the other person. So the first thing is think. Think about the other person. Uh, All of us have heard the saying, put yourself in their shoes, right? That's a great catchphrase to remember. Put yourself in their shoes. Think about the other person. What's going on in their life? What are the circumstances surrounding what's going on in their life? What's happened the last few days or weeks or months, right? Like you just, you just try and like settle in and think about where are they at, okay? The next thing you do is reflect on your part in their situation. Oftentimes, um, especially in marriage, Uh, or in family relationships where it's siblings together or you with one of your kids or you and a spouse where you're really close, a lot of times you may have a part to play in why they're not feeling good or why they're sad or hurt or struggling or stressed, right? So as you're thinking about the situation they're in, maybe you go, I'm wondering if I had a part to play in it. And if you're not sure, you're saying something like, hey, I'm really sorry that you're hurting or I'm really sorry for you that you're so angry or upset right now. That, that looks tough. Did I have a part to play in that? And you're just asking and listening, right? And then the next thing that's really important... Say, sometimes that you don't have a part to play in it, mm-hmm. but because they're stressed, that you feel like the tension in the household, and so you take that personally, and now it's all about your perspective. Mm-hmm. And so if you stop for a second, maybe there's something going on in their life that I really have nothing to do with, but I'm taking this personal and now I'm attacking them because they're going on something tough. So it's reflecting and stopping and saying, okay, maybe there's something going on in their life that I need to know about and start asking questions about. Yeah, and it's not a, it's not a thing you need to fix. You just need to join them in it, right? Um, and then the last thing that's really important is how we engage. Like, how do we connect and deliver empathy, if you will? Like, how do we pull the tool out and actually practically use it? Like, how do we engage people matters because different people are gonna be receptive differently. And as we get to know people and people that we're close with, we know how it will work. Like, for example, Alex and I, as we've gotten to know each other the last couple of years, I know that I know when, I, when I, see, <laughs> see when I, I walk into the office and everybody's sitting at a table on Monday morning and we start to do our Monday morning team meeting, I naturally, without even thinking about it, I walk around the table to every single one of my staff members. I sit down and I go like this to Corbin and he's like, yeah, 20 minutes and now you can stop that. Stop. And I do it to, to, you know, and then I get to Alex and he's like, this is the worst part of my day, right? <laughs> It's a great way to start off a Monday. Right? So I jokingly do it because we're fun, right? But I know I don't, I'm not doing it to purposely make him uncomfortable. I know that that doesn't connect with him. So if Alex comes to me and he's really struggling with something and something difficult or hard has happened in his life, the way I engage him and sort of deliver empathy matters. Like I can say to him, man, that really sucks. Can I pray with you? That really, that, I'm, I'm sorry you're struggling with that. From over here right? And he'll be like, thank you. And it will, it will t- for him, we just hugged, right? That was connection. If I go over and give him one of those like, man, I'm sorry, that's really hard. And I give him a big hug. And it's one of those hanger hugs. 
that just keeps on going and going and going and going. Like he is going to be, right? right? Just thinking about it is giving him the creepy crawly. So that's not going to help, right? So how you engage people matters. And a lot of us are familiar with the love languages. And if you haven't looked at the love language stuff recently and you're like, oh yeah, we did that years ago, or I remember reading about it, it's awesome and super smart to just reflect and refresh on the love languages because we often deliver love the way that we like to receive it. Empathy falls in this category. We, we oftentimes will deliver empathy the way that we like to love other people, the way it makes, the way we connect, right? Empathy is about connection. And so it's important that um, you reflect on those and, and how you engage with people matters, all right? So the cool thing is we can learn it. We can practice it. It's a skill that we can learn. It's a, a new tool that we can put in the toolbox. And like, just like grabbing your multi-tool, you might not figure out how to change the blades for like six hours. You know, if you've got one, you know what I'm talking about. Like you might have to figure out how to learn how to use it and it's gonna, you mess it up a little few times. But you can practice and get better at empathy and it will increase your connection in your relationships. Thankfully, we've got an awesome example in Jesus. Um, for us as Christians, to be a disciple of Jesus means that we're, we're looking to the word and we're seeing what Jesus did, what he taught, and we're learning how to obey his teachings, right? But even more than learning how to like do what he said to do, we're actually studying the person of Jesus. Like the actual study of the person, like how did Jesus respond to this person? What would it have felt like to be that person if Jesus said that to you, right? We're learning from the person of Jesus, not just how to obey what he said. And so uh, we're gonna do something this morning that's really important for us uh, at Real Life. Every week we take communion. And so we're gonna go ahead and have the servers pass out the communion elements. And when we take communion here, Anybody that wants to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus can have communion with us. We look at you like your family. And so as those things get passed out, hold on to the elements. And then uh, we're going to take a couple of minutes and talk about, like, again, we know this is sort of an abstract concept. Um, Here's the truth. People don't know they need to work on empathy unless you're bad at it, right? Like until you've missed the part, the, the mark. If you're good at empathy, it's awesome. If you're bad at empathy, it, it shows up later. And so in our home groups, we want to be proactive. We want to work on this because it's going to help us connect and love people well. So as that's getting passed out, let's talk about what it might look like to discuss this stuff. Yeah, so these are the stories that are the questions we're using this week in our home groups. So if you're not involved in a home group, left you involved in a home group, you can also use these questions with your spouse, your roommate, someone else that you have these spiritual conversations with. So the first question is that you can use uh, the story from uh, Luke 10, the Mary Martha. And for our groups, we want you to use the biblical story. Like these stories are, they come from scripture. We want you to talk about scripture, like these biblically based home groups. And so start off by, read the story, and then ask the question, do you identify more with Mary or Martha in this story? And maybe have an empathy kind of perspective in this question. The next question is rate yourself. Zero is no, no empathy and at all, and 10 is perfect empathy. Where do you see yourself? It's a great one for your group. Like, this is where they can keep you accountable to like, the growth that you might have in empathy. If you see yourself as a zero or a one, like, you've got some room to grow. And also, I think it also brings compassion to your group, like you recognizing that you're low on this thing, 
is that they might give you a little bit more compassion, a little more grace about as you respond to things. But one thing that's important with your, the group is that people can be vulnerable, that they can start sharing things in their life that are difficult. And so all of you need to respond in a way that's more empathetic in your group. But you're at a place here, let's grow a little bit. The next question, uh, review and discuss the steps to develop and practice empathy. So those three steps that uh, Thad gave, go through those three steps and talk about those three steps, where you're at, where you've seen it done well, where you struggled, you know, where you've, you know, haven't done it well. Is, uh, go through those three steps. And then the last question is, who do you know who is excellent at empathy? How could you learn from them? There's someone in your life that's probably really good at empathy. It's like I think Thad mentioned earlier, like a lot of times the mom, your mom is someone that really showed empathy, that they're there for you, uh, that they showed this piece of, well, sometimes like dads have not shown that well, but maybe you have a dad that did. But talk about stories of where empathy um, you've seen it really well and really well done and how it's meant something meaning to you. Like Thad sharing about this last you know, week or two of his life. There's probably a story in there of someone that did a really good job and they can describe why that was such a good job. So like, say so take time, look over these questions, come prepare for your group, uh, think about how you maybe want to respond to it, um, throw yourself out there. One of the difficult pieces about empathy is that where some people might struggle with the the thought about doing it, because it actually is a strength. To do empathy well is that you have to put yourself out there. Like if you're emotionally connecting with someone that you're coming from a place of vulnerability. It's a hard piece to do. And so your care group, your home, I'm sorry, your home group, is a good place to do that, to take that risk there, because there's people that love you and care about, care about you there. So we're going to move into our communion. Like Thad said, we have Christ he showed empathy well. Like a God entered into our world to see the world from our perspective. That we have pain and sorrow and suffering and he suffered along with us. That he chose to be a human in order to identify with us. To let us know that he cares that much about us. So we're going to remember him today. So take your bread. This is his body that was broken for you. Let's remember him. And then he took a cup. This is my blood poured out for you. Let's remember him. Lord, we love you. We remember every week the sacrifice that you made for us. Yet you're a God that had enough compassion and cared enough about us to show us how much you showed us how much you love us. Lord, we love you so much for doing that. In your name. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life on the Palouse. You can find out more about us by visiting us online at liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.